0: It is like uh, one of those things you're like trying to, pretending you're pushing me on the bike. Yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. Like, I'm, pre- I'm pretending there's stabilizers, like yeah. I'm the stabilizers on the bike. <laughs> I'm your stabilizers. You're my stabli- yeah. Scott stabilizes me through yeah. life. Um, yeah, so did you stay up all night? Uh, I did, yeah. I got home at about four o'clock and then I got about two hours sleep. I was also like eight points in, so yeah. I'm kind of... I'm, not, I'm in a bit of a bad way. I'm in a bit of a bad way right now, but my voice sounds okay, which is good enough for this. So. Well, see, for anyone who doesn't know who we are, we're both in Ireland, which means if you're watching an event like the Super Bowl, you have to stay up until, what, four? Well, it start, like for us, it started at 11.30 at night, yeah. and then finished at about four. So yeah. it was awful, but awesome at the same time. It, it also was an awful game, but... Yeah, because at least when you're. What's it? Do you remember the one two years ago with the. Huge oh, you yeah, know. That, that was fantastic, no? Yeah. But and, and now here we are. Here we are. Oh. But this ain't no Super Bowl podcast. No, we are going to talk movies. Movies. Yes. So, as you may have heard, I don't know if we introduce ourselves by name, but I'm Liam. And I'm Scott. Yes. And this is. At the, the Silver, silver screen. screen. Don't care how cringy that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cringy. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour. You're gonna see some serious shit. They don't drink milkshakes, I assure you. I have two guns, one for each of you. Look like the power of Grayskull. Well, there's nothing like experimenting. I think we're gonna start off with How to Train Your Dragon Three. Yep, yeah, How to Train Your Dragon 5, Three, our big release. We found the hidden dragon world. I will to destroy everything you love. If Grimmel succeeds, there won't be dragons left. Shoot up, gang. You brought a baby to a bottle. I wouldn't do that if I were you. We have to protect the hidden world. Show them what you got, bud. God, I love that dragon. Ready PG third film in the Head of Your Dragon franchise, where we follow the story of the Viking Hiccup and his dragon Toothless on their many, many adventures through the Viking world. They've had two adventures. They've had two adventures <laughs> so far, and a TV series, so they're doing pretty well. They've had multiple TV series. multiple TV series. Yeah, yeah, there's at least three Netflix original TV shows about I did about not know that. No. Yeah. I, I knew there was like one, I didn't mm. know there was a few. but anyway we come on to the the third film where Hiccup is a grown man it's set I think two years after the previous one. One year sorry after the previous one where Hiccup is a grown man he is chief of the tribe and he is trying to just balance all of this and balance the trials also also trial tribulations of his dragon being the alpha of all the dragons along juggling it with his own personal battles which led on from the second one yeah so if you haven't seen the second one don't listen Mm. to this but and how deep in the spoilers do we want to go? Uh, um, we should try to stay mainly non-spoilers for this yeah. one because it's not out in America until the mm. twenty-second. Yeah, and personally, from in my own opinion, I think we should keep light on the spoilers because this film is absolutely fantastic yeah. and a very satisfying conclusion to anyone who's seen the rest of the trilogy. So I highly recommend you go and see it. Yeah. So, um, what was like your personal history with the franchise before you seen it? Um, before I'd seen it I had actually read the books when I was a kid I had read the books which are vastly different from the films like they, and I say vastly I mean like they bear no resemblance at all like really? the only resemblance like Toothless in the books is a tiny little green dragon the size of a house cat he is nothing like the dragon he is in the film Hiccup does not age at all like he actually well, you no know, he starts out 12 years old and he ages book by book but it doesn't do the 5 year jump that the second year did the film so by the end of the um... the end of the series I think he's about 17 or something 17? Yeah or 18 But like He starts out at like 10 or 11 Is it a direct adaptation it's a direct, it's, an ad- it's a It's a It's a It's a very direct adaptation In the fact that It takes the Viking setting And the character names And yeah. the dragons And that's really it And they kind of Just do their own thing Which I'll be honest I much prefer Because The books themselves Get needlessly complex And needlessly really? stupid See I actually mm. Didn't even know It was a book series Really no like Yesterday Like wait who told you it was yesterday <laughs> it's like, I was just looking it up uh, mm. prepping for this yeah, I was like because like, if you go into IMDb and check the writer for the new film I, yeah. I'm pretty sorry I don't even know who the author's name is Um, Chris Cressida Cressida Cowell yes Yeah. how many books is there there is I'm pretty sure there's like 13 or so there's, there's quite a few books No. Mm-hmm. there's hang on, hang on so there is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 there's Eleven books, or twelve books. Sorry, now, yeah. Like it's a full, and it's finished now. It is a finished series. The series finished only like four years ago now. So yeah. you're reading How to Train Your Dragon. I was reading How no. to Train Your. It, it's the first book came out in 2003. I was a Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh really? Yeah. No. And we all know which one had the better trilogy between Diary of a Wimpy Kid and How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, it was Diary Wimpy Kid. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, it wasn't even a trilogy; it was a quadrilogy. Like it was. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I didn't it. even. I didn't even see anyone that. I saw the first one. I never saw anyone. But anyway, onto dragons what about you like you because I think you we were talking about this before but you've only ever you and I have never seen the films and you saw the yeah. film with your dad and you were yeah I seen the first one um, when I saw the first one on release day back in 2010 I think mm. Um, we were running late for the cinema and we I think we were going to see something some other film I couldn't even tell you what it was but um, we just seen uh, How to Train Your Dragon was starting and it was in yeah. 3D and it was just after Avatar 2 so we are like 3D oh, yeah, yeah. this is this is this is it. This is a thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I remember going in and I was just like blown away by surprisingly the animation which doesn't really hold up now. Yeah, because you, in... you look back at it now and they're like, the flying scenes are still as beautiful as they yeah. were when I saw it but like, the character models and kind of the background still don't look that great. Yeah. I think it was also good because it had humour and heart and mm. also a really good story. It was like, it, the thing I really love about this entire trilogy in general is that if you look at it like, from an outsider point of view, it is a very simple story told very, very well. Yeah. Like, every story kind of follows a very um, almost cliche story of here is really good hero fight, yeah. like, really evil villain with all these sidekicks. And it's a very, as like, much as I love the films, they are, are all very, very predictable. Second one, notwithstanding, but no they be. all can be quite predictable, yeah, um actually rewatching the first one last week, one thing I did notice a lot of the comic relief characters I found to be quite annoying compared to when I was younger, Yeah. so, so mainly with the amazingly named rough nut and tough nut <laughs> <in a laughs> like uh... who one of them is Christian Wake was I don't know yeah, I didn't know I do not know I think that's rough. Rough, that's tough nut. That's tough not. I'll mm. get it. I mean, li- rough nut is Chris and Wick. Yeah, yeah. Rough nut is Chris and, and then Wick. It, tough nut was actually PJ Miller. In the yeah, first two. he's not now though. No, no he's it's not. I don't know who it is now. It though. is, I think, is it, is it Nick Roll? No, it's not Nick Roll. It's a guy who's like he's not really an actor. Oh, ah, okay, okay. Yeah, but Justin in Ruppel, or probably Ruppel. Oh, well, fair enough, bro. What he's you... known for being like. That word I can never pronounce, Uh, miscellaneous, miscellaneous, miscellaneous crew in Spider-Man Homecoming, which furiously. Hey, I respect all miscellaneous crew because we've all been there. What does that actually mean? Uh, Miscellaneous just means like other, like extra, like you have, he's just in the background. Yeah, no, 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 like he's just like, he's done small bits of work that are not totally noteworthy, but like we have to include anyway. I don't know, it's like you, it's like you put in the light bulb that started the light kind of so um, also with it um, another thing I don't like a character who I felt a lot more strongly um, positive about in the other two was mm-hmm. Craig Ferguson's character Gobber. yeah like I found him to be very annoying in the first one I think the thing I think that kind of goes for all the characters in the first one is that what, there are some that are very well done like Hiccup yeah. Astrid and Stoic and Toothless they're all they're probably the best characters in the whole franchise I think yeah. but in the first film other than them everyone is very right one note but they were the directors of the first one was Dean Deblois who made um, the first he made all three directed all three he did he all three with, and he made Lilo and Stitch he did make Lilo mm-hmm. and Stitch but him and it was Adam Chris Sanders Chris Sanders yes who they were given they were assigned to the project by Dreamworks oh really 14 months before release and told what make something of this like that's yeah. That's actually incredible that they were able to do such a good film in 14 months, though. Yeah. And there is no better... Well, one of the strongest animated sequences of all time is Toothless and Hiccup's first flight scene. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with that. Like, it's a better flight scene than any Superman flight scene. I don't think we've ever actually gotten a good Superman flight scene. Like, no. all right, we Well, I will defend the, the first Man and Steel yeah. flight scene, but even still, the head of still yeah. topped it. Also... The uh, Roger Deakins helped with the cinematography. He did, and I mean, anything he touches turns gold. Yeah, like so, I cannot diss- dissuade that. But overall, I think we can both say that the first two films we both really Excellent. enjoyed. Like, yeah, I think the first one is DreamWorks' best ever feature. I def, I can definitely agree with that. I think the second one is stronger in my opinion. Really? In I think I, ju- I think the animation is still very much holds up. Which yeah it was only about six years ago so I which one uh, the second one no second. five years ago sorry uh, 2014 yeah so I, I that's why I would hold up yeah. the story is the least predictable of all of them because the because certain like there's twists that happens in it that you wouldn't expect the characters are so well developed and so good but it honestly is the Star Wars of animated shows oh so yeah. you have your new hope um, obviously, yeah. in the first one, where if your hero, Empire Strikes Back, then. hero meeting your robot. Mm. Um, yeah, so Empire Strikes Back is the second mm-hmm. one. It's the battle scenes, and mm. the bad guys are kind of winning. Yeah. And it's like, where's this going to mm-hmm. go next? And um, also, interestingly, the director, Dean DeBlase, said um, the second film was mm-hmm. meant to end with um, Hiccup's mother, Valkyrie, is it? Uh, oh, is it? I think it's Hiccup's yeah, like yeah, mother Hiccup's mother. mother was meant to leave Hiccup at the end of it oh, and really? say you have to pick a side and I'm not on your side I wouldn't have liked that yeah, I because, really wouldn't have liked but that uh, Dreamworks said you can't end a kid's film with a mother turning on a kid because it would yeah. lead to some awkward conversation. it's going to lead to some very awkward even so even that concludes the film I think that would have really undermined it yeah. especially because of how far she's like that character come from the film so So, is How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World? Is it a return of the Jedi or is it a much better and satisfying conclusion? I think it is a very, very satisfying conclusion to the entire trilogy. Yeah. I think, personally though, it is the weakest of the films. I agree. Yeah. I think it opens... The opening and the closing are both fantastic, Mm. but I found myself trailing off in the middle at times. Yeah, like, I think it's like. it's hard to say because as I was saying it's also a very simple film yeah and it's kind of like the things that I love about it are just what it does with the returning characters Mm. what it does with Hiccup especially what it does with Toothless I love how they depict Toothless and the whole romance element of this film so there was a lot of like um, simplicity in uh, many of the scenes Mm. like there's a scene with it's not a spoiler but Asterix Astrid. Astrid and Hiccup are just having a normal conversation and yeah. joking around. I was like, I felt more invested in their relationship yeah. than I realised they actually was. Yeah, like, I th- they just seem... Like, I love that there was never really any moment in the film where they decide to resort to this character is going to a new place and this other character is pissed off about that and resents them for it. Like, there's... like It's not really a spoiler at all because like, it's in the trailers, no. but... In the film, Toothless meets another Light Fury, which is a white, basically a white skin color of him. Now, the no. thing I don't like about that okay, is. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll let you get that first. Okay. What I do love about that romance is that it is very, like, as cliche as it is, it's very charming. Yeah. And Toothless is fucking adorable. Yeah, no, he yeah. is. And, well, the good thing about the romance is um that. In many films, like, if you, have you seen Wrecker Ralph too? Uh, yeah, it came out um, just the end of last yeah. year. They have Vanellope and Ralph um, going in two different directions, and instead of being supportive, they have the friend being like, No, you're wrong in doing this, mm-hmm. stay with me. And it always ends up going the same way. They're like, Okay, I was wrong. And it happens in nearly every film. Like, Mm. mainly animated films. It happens in Toy Story. Uh, It happens in many Toy Stories. It's very, like... It's very, like, a cliche, like, kids cop-out. Like, oh, I I don't like this. Bye. It's kind of like the liar Reveal trope. But instead, in How to Train Your Dragon, it's more dealing with Hiccup's sort of self-acceptance that Mm. he needs to um, transform himself personally. Because he has a status there. He's still not there emotionally. It's funny, because throughout the whole... I, what I love about this entire trilogy is he has a. Hacob has an incredibly good arc from meek young boy to a leader of men. Yeah. Like, the transformation was already kind of complete, but I feel like a large portion of the film is trying to focus on how, even though you progress, is trying to focus on how you can stay stable yeah. at where you are and not regress back to boy. Yeah, because, like, in, even in the first film, he undergoes probably, like, the biggest transformation, which is a physical transformation. He loses his leg. And that is yeah. kind of the big... That is kind of the, oh, shit, I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. And then you cut to five years later where he is a man and he has kind of grown much more confident, much more mm-hmm. capable. And then you come to this film now where he is... He is still that confident, capable leader and he is still will lead men, but he's also, like, I think... There's I think both. There's, there's there's still a seed of doubt. It's still like I feel like I shouldn't really be here. I feel like it should be my dad. I feel like it should be someone else. Yeah. And it's what is really well done about the film. Like it really does show him able to overcome that in a very normal and realistic way. Yeah. So the vocal performance by Jay Barroso throughout mm. the trilogy is mm. fantastic. I genuinely think this is this film is his best performance in his career so far because I I, like I. I couldn't name you many others. He's in um. I was kind of weird how in this is the end. It's like ah, oh, hey, it's me, your friend Seth Rogen. Ah, oh, and James Franco, and Dave Barry the lead character for yeah. some reason. Well, like I don't it's, know. I don't know. He's a very. I I remember he was in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I remember really enjoying that as well. Like even when you go into the cast on IMBD for How to Train Your Dragon, he's like the sixth person down. Yeah, like I think is that above. Kate Blanche and Cate Harrington and all that like so Derek Butler's top Derek Butler's top Kate Blanche's second Kristen Wigg, Kit Harrington Jonah Hill Fucking hell. and then Jay Baruchel oh literally Jared, like and you forget because like and Jay Rochelle has like 90% of the lines in this like he is he's the protagonist he's the main character like. so this is what I mean he's most known for the first two How to Train Your Dragons mm. this is the end and Goon <laughs> <laughs> one of these is not like the uh, other Oh no it is not no um can we talk about I think this is one of the things I really really well I think if you anyone sees this film you will immediately gush it looks like a painting it looks stunning beautiful. which no surprise if you've seen the rest of the films but this kind of takes it to another level completely yeah like some of these like these shots the there's one particular shot that I know you love as well as I do which is one near the beginning of the film yeah which is well it's actually it's in the trailer so I will spoil it um it is the shot of Hiccup walking through flames. Yeah, like and he with has the fire sword, and he's a fire sword, and Toothless just come behind him, and I'm just like, oh my god! Yeah. Um, mm. those fight scenes, the cinematography in them was fantastic. Mm. Genuine, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's the best looking of the trilogy. Oh no, one hundred percent. Even the color palette when mm. you're in Berk now that it's progressed a few years yeah. it's like this low utopia mm. and I think especially when you get to the hidden world portion of the film that is dazzling yeah. like it looks magical nearly so. as, as cliche as that saying yeah. like it, do, it does though I think yeah. it very much does I have some complaints about that we'll go, get there later we'll get, we'll there, get later, there later but <laughs> overall if you're purely going to see the film for I think as an overall review if you are purely going just because you want to see pretty colours fu- have a fun time and hear some brilliant music because that is the stellar score by John Powell John Powell I think he's done score for all three he's done all three he's done all three in every single time he's done fantastic he actually he got nominated for an Oscar for best score for um, the first one first one doesn't that doesn't surprise it's phenomenal I feel feel like we're gushing more about the other two than the third one which kind of speaks volumes yeah (laughs) see it's not that the third one's bad the thing about the third one is there where I felt fully engaged through all three acts of the other two and this one, there is a portion of it where it feels like, like there's some side stories in it. Like they put a lot of focus on the characters they didn't put focus on mm. before. Like when I first went out, I was like, "Oh man, I'm so happy they put focus on like uh, Snot, who's Jonah Hill's character." Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, they gave Not and tough a story," mm-hmm. but I'm like, "Did they need it?" Uh, I see. I kind of, I'm kind of because this is the last film in the trilogy. Unless they decide to milk this franchise for any more, I really hope they don't. But I feel like they wanted to try and wrap up as much as they could and give people arcs that they wouldn't have necessarily before. But was were they arcs or were they moments? Well, I feel like there were moments, which they were fine moments. That's the thing. I don't think they were even bad moments, but that's all they were—moments. It's I, just like little bits. I didn't enjoy the um, subplot of Snot and Air Attack. Hark- yeah, Hark- uh, yeah. And a whole and also. Um, Hiccup's mum, who we really should know her name. I think it is Valkyrie. I, I, I'm almost. It's positive. For I that. feel it probably. Oh, is. it's it's Valka. 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 Almost, almost. Valka. You got it. Valka. 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 And um, I felt like even her character, who was so significant in the second one, she's reduced <laughs> to. She's she's, she's has a nothing. She is, in she's a mom. She is literally the mom. Like, but she's like <laughs> a mom in the same way, like. Moana Moana's mum was just yeah. Moana's mum and that's like that sucks because she was she was like, three dimensional she was three dimensional an integral part of the second film like yeah she's the reason the plot happened but mm. like anytime the story focuses on Hiccup and Toothless their relationship mm. fantastic and the side characters not so much I think anytime I hook on Hiccup Astrid and Toothless those three characters are all just yeah. it works it flows if it's relationship between Hickam and Toothless which is all which is it's just any time it's never had a dull moment there's no. never been a bad moment in the entire franchise series I could, I might argue a bit for the second film because I really didn't there's one I have one Christmas in that film it is that they decide the, the death of Stoic went into the oh it's your fault it was clearly your fault yeah. you didn't save him which I'm like oh come on man you know better than that but I, again the relationship in this film is the strongest it's been though yeah definitely and it's also it's it's always been sort of pet like as well even when like hiccup's the alpha Mm. um it's still like oh he's like my dog yeah like that's like it's like toothless you forget is like technically the most powerful dragon in the whole world he's more of a leader than two or or hiccup is yeah like he is he is running the dragons like all of the dragons in as opposed to hiccup who is running this small island Yeah, they as as opposed to Hiccup, where he's just running the small island, and I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of weird how it's still seen as like, yeah, this is just my dog. Yeah, he's grand. Uh, one thing we need to discuss is what are your thoughts on the villain Grimo the Grizzly? <laughs> and let me just make something uh, i that. Yeah, Grimo Grim- the Grizzly, Grimo the Grizzly, as played by Mr. F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, now F. F. Murray Abraham, he's a very good actor. I very I very much enjoy him in Amadeus and in like anything else I think Grandpa the best hotel um, Grandpa the best hotel he was in Star he was in Star Trek Insurrection yeah which I don't talk about or he was in Scarface what? who was he in Scarface? Uh, I can get him now was he elite? I think he was Omar Suarez I think was, I don't remember I haven't I've only seen Scarface like once but F.M.R. Abraham, great actor Grimmel Um, It starts off very well. Grimmel has a great introduction, and then it just kind of falters, I think, purely for the fact that he's just not really in the film. No. Well, his actually, there's Hiccup, and Grimmel's first um, encounter with Mm. each other is terrific. Yeah, I thought that was great. But I was distracted the entire time he was on screen. He looks like the... Adam Sandler's vampire in the Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Are you for, like honestly? Like, no, know. honestly, Google um, the Grimm, the Grimm. Google the Count from. Okay, well, okay, I'm gonna look at him first. Look at Grimo okay. first. Oh God, he does. And then he then just if you look. put up put up a side comparison of them, it just mm, mm, mm. Like that's that's not no. Like how do you? You're not even the same studio. No. Like that's. They like, actually is their face shape. I think. Yeah, it's a very. Uh, no, it is. I get what you mean, is the face. It, yeah, it's like oval. Well, when I first saw him, I was like, that just kind of looks like it could be played by Mads Mickelson. Yeah. Like, and when I found out it wasn't, I was like, all right. But overall, like, he's a. I feel like he could have been the net. Because as great as Francis is, there are no good villains around. Who voiced the villain in the last one? Uh, Jaimon Hansu. Where am I? I getting that I thought. That before I've seen it, mm. um, I thought Army Hammer was playing the bad guy. Why the hell do you think Army Hammer was playing the bad guy? And then I was like, I don't know. Does Army Hammer have a connection with How to Train Your Dragon? He doesn't. Does no. he? I, he probably doesn't. He definitely, definitely doesn't. doesn't. No, no. It was, it was Jaimon Hansu who was. He's in everything. He's genuinely in everything. Like he was. He's, he was in Fast and Furious. He was in. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's. He was in Aquaman, and he's gonna be in Shazam as well. Like. He's getting around. He's getting here. He's getting paid, so I respect that. But um, he was Black Panther as well. Well, thankfully, when you Army Hammer, how to train your dragon, and uh, what you get is Army Hammer to play Batman in Justice League. <laughs> 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 oh Christ! Yeah. But um, yeah, like this franchise just does not have good villains because I, for the life of me, I can't remember what the villain of the first film is, if there even was one. There, there is. Some. I'm pretty sure it was just like there's a, the big it, dragon it's a big dragon yeah. yeah and then the second film it's another big dragon and Rago and, and yeah ja, yeah, big sh- all our the thing I remember that the villain was just the fact that he went rah, rah, rah. he was meant to be the big bad of the third one there wasn't meant to be he wasn't meant to be in the second one mm. it was just meant to be Hiccup's mom and the dragons I feel like the, I feel like actually I'm kind of glad they didn't do that because That's... for one I don't I think having a motherly relationship was something that the series yeah. could have they could sorely needed it. Um, it wasn't in this film though it wasn't in this film so it's great yeah. but when you look Grimmel it's just like you're not good at all like it's kind of like he just has he's evil he wants to what is it want he to do? his only thing is he's a night fury hunter yeah so a, um, he does hunt he, he, he hunts night furies but I didn't get. He didn't have really motivation. They explained I did, it briefly. What was it? Was it like? I, it well, you know, I won't spoil it. Like, so, no. but it's like it's not. I don't think it's like the, the fact. The fact I can't remember it is. Yeah, it's so. not important. Like, yeah. Um. So what I have in my pros, mm-hmm. it's visually stunning. Visually stunning. Visually stunning. Visually stunning. The direction by Dean DeBlois is terrific. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah, and actually, he's only had um. Through four features now? Lilo? You, well, yeah, he has a documentary, but... Four. Four, four animated features, which is... The three have to the Dragon* on Lilo and Stitch, which is kind of... That's a good me, track it's, it's a very good track record, because it's like... It's all friendships. It's all... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what he's going to go on to next, though. I, I don't know, because I'd like to see him... What I'd really like to see him is try out an original like animation, as opposed to adapting something. Do you have any major negatives of the film? Yes. And one blaring negative. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, actually okay. Kind of, I'm kind of worried now. So, in this movie, Hiccup falls in love with the girl dragon. What is her name? Light Fury, which translates to, in English, girl dragon. <laughs> <laughs> she, has, she has no character. She's like, the girl dragon. I, uh, they, they didn't she, even name her. Toothless. Yep. You, you said Hiccup. It's like a like you're calling them. yeah. Go. I, I, I mean, apologize, although in, uh, <laughs> you can make the argument that like they're two interchangeable characters, yeah. but um, but yeah, yeah, I can, I can look, agree with that. Like, okay. yeah, no, like, does she have oh, a boy. voice or that's both my list? Whoops, because I'm trying to think does if she, she doesn't have a voice, it's like, so same as toothless, like, yeah, but sort of like it's more, it sounds sort of like high pitched, chewy. No, you yeah, know, like, yeah. uh, I, I. <laughs> I, try, I want to try and find a way to argue against that. Like how like, there's there's a one fault mm. with the movie. Like even if you look at her design, it's like oh, it's white. It's it's a it's, a, it's a color it's a color palette swap. Yeah. yeah. There's no character. Yeah. Like I. Can, and even though there's a sequence between them, anything they interact, it's great. Yeah. But like, it's more for the direction. Yeah. Like because there is that sequence where they're they're flying together and it is beautiful it's yeah. so nice it's so charming and beautiful but then I can't agree you know, there's no there's, there, she's literally just girl dragon yeah which... <laughs> and Hiccup's like like I only noticed this because um, I thought I missed the name so oh, okay. I went on to I went to the reliable wikipedia okay and I was looking at like the plot points Boom. but anytime it's saying anything about it it says mm-hmm. the light fury so it will be Hiccup and the light fury I mean it's like saying I think the argument made, oh, but, like, the only reason the other dragons have names because the humans gave them a name. Like, a specific one. But. Yeah. But would they not give her one a name? Yeah, I'm kind of like, why wouldn't they give her one now? Is she not worth I mean, having a name? Is that what you're saying, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, there's a whole other debate here that I mean, yeah. you want to bring up that. <laughs> but, no, I can agree with that. It's kind of It doesn't really bring, like, Bruin, bring down the movie for me. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't personally... Oh, it's a nitpick. It's a, it's a, it is a big new thing, okay. yeah. But I think that's a fairly clear enough reason that she does not have any name. It's just, hi, I'm a light three. So there are my two main gripes of the movie. Mm. Adam Sandler and no name. Like, <laughs> I'm still not over the Adam Sandler thing. I'm actually like, why the fuck? <laughs> because like, I can see that as well, but... Did the animation actually... Um, It might just have been my screen I was watching mm-hmm. it, but did you find um, if there was a zoom in on his face and it sort of made it look like it was a hallucination scene, the camera. Yeah, sort of no, I do know was, what you're talking about. Yeah, that was that intentional? That man? was intentional. That was the same one. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I didn't understand the reasoning behind it. I, I guess to make him look kinda of more scary. Yeah. I'm like, he He's kinda of threatening the start and things kinda of fizzled out. Like Yeah. Yeah. Overall though, me personally, I think it's probably like for, it's years only started but it's still one of the most visually stunning films I've seen this year oh it is yeah. um, and so. with fantastic score uh, great story and a very like a gut punch of ending. Yeah, like, it is an emotionally satisfying ending very fitting conclusion mm. to the trilogy what are we going to rate it what are you going to rate it I think a light 4 out of 5 I think I'm also going to give it a 4 out of 5 yeah so there you have it. I'm here for the escape room Mike, Amanda. When does the game start? I think this is the escape room. We should look for clues. Oh! How do we get out of here? Air night 451. I got it. <gasps> that was real. They're watching us. No! This is my hospital bed. Me too. Who would do this? They knew everything about us. That's why they chose us. Escape room. We have an interesting one here now because we're going to move on to a film that I haven't seen <laughs> because I, I just wasn't able to. But Liam has. I, and he, so. I I'm not, I'll Liam, how about you tell me all about the joys of Escape Room? Okay, so Escape Room is another Blumhouse horror. Or am I is it a Blumhouse horror? It's a Blumhouse horror, Yes, yeah. it is. Okay, so basically. You have six strangers in a room. They need to escape. Oh my god That's a plot of the room um, Right So it's directed By Adam Roboteau Who you may recognize From Insidious The Last Key I'll be honest I, I didn't bother No No I, no, I didn't, you didn't I, bother With that No I didn't bother With okay. The Last Key So you have A film um, From Blumhouse Which has a pretty Pretty good track record I, I mean I I could argue against that In regards to horror Where it has because I feel like Jason Bloom will just stick his, his hand on any horror franchise if he can get money out of it. Okay, no, that's fair. Like, he gets some like there have been obviously very good ones like Get Out and um, Insidious yeah. and did he do Sinister as well? He do no, but he's I don't know. They, and again they've had other films like Green Room which is a great film yeah like Green I mean. Room's great but I don't know I've heard like from what everything I've heard like this this seems like an interesting film like Seraph because like I love. I love puzzles, and I love the idea of like just watching a film where people try to solve puzzles. And yeah. I've never actually gone to an escape room before, have you? No, it's not really a thing here, yeah. It is a thing, I'll tell you that. Oh, it's it? very much a thing here. Are, There's be. quite a few escape rooms in Dublin. Oh, like in the city centre, yeah. Oh, we must try that. <laughs> I, was, I, I don't think I will no, one, so. um, But tell me. Right, so the purpose of an escape room is you need to make your room that you're escaping interesting. Yeah. If you have puzzles... That the writers clearly don't know how to get out of mm. them, then you're not going to have a good movie. You need to okay. like basically every answer is found through pure convenience. Oh, okay, it's all it's so all like, like it's all a stupid. Thing. Yeah, there's no intelligent puzzles. Mm. It's not like like the writers of this film. One of them has only worked on TV before. It's her first feature. Her name mm. is. Maria Melnick, she wrote a famous TV show. What what famous TV show? Um, Is is it a claim TV show? No, she wrote American Gods. American Gods, Ameri- Amer- I like American Gods. Yeah, but she wrote it with Braggy F. shot who I believe is Finnish. Braggy is, F. shot yeah. Uh, and what is, actually, I'm going to look him now. What has Braggy F. shot done? He, ha- he hasn't oh. had his uh, writing credit since the season of The Witch. Oh, yeah, okay. The Nicholas and, um, Cage. I mean, I I I love C- I love Nicholas Cage, so. Uh, no, no. So, it's the um, the script is flat. The premise is has potential. Like my one that I keep griping with this movie is hmm. put a serial killer in with them. Like why yeah, not? Like, but you don't know who it is. I kind of I kind of like the there is a film I think that's very similar to this. That film Devil by Anil Jammal. Which okay I film. feel could benefit from that kind of twist where yeah. someone is the devil, but we don't know who it is. Devil is a far superior yeah. film. De- devil is a great film, I think. And I they are escaping room, not rooms. Also, Devil is set in a lift, yeah. so like it's like already tense as hell. Yeah. No. Um, if you want um, to have a couple of drinks, go see it with your mates and yeah. be like, what are some of these special effects? One of them is clearly using Snapchat. There is um a scene where two characters are tripping on drugs. Okay. Yeah, and it's like has like a big like lights flaring at their faces or. And doing they're using Snapchat weird movements and like you're using Snapchat. Is it literally what, what filter? Um, you know the one that makes your mouth big and your um, eyes is like it actually that? that one? It looks like it, it probably is. That's really the... stupid. And it has um a sequel plug. A sequel bait, yeah. A sequel bait, yeah. I'm. <laughs> I kind of want this to be a thing where we... Because I'm very... Te- if one of us doesn't end up seeing a film, I really kind of want... I want to see how much you can convince us to see it. Because I'm kind of half tempted to see this film. Oh, okay. Just So, like, okay. Let me give you reasons to see it. One, if you like um, being insulted for liking video games. Okay. You'll like that. Two, if you like pure convenience. Okay. Um. Three, actually, a reason to see it. My only pro with this movie okay. I have is that the... Uh, what do you call it The whoever was working with props and like set, yeah, set design yeah. very good there's one room which is a bar okay. and I'm like that's a nice set but, <laughs> it's but, a nice bar but you know I'm grasping at straws yeah. here and Look, I, 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 it's funny because I really love whenever I see a film I really hate when I'm watching I'm like I could think of a million different ways I could have written this better well right. you will think of more than that. Oh it's, stop. it's painful. So, so escape room, don't see it. I gave it a one and a half out of five. Okay. For I remember enjoying Jay Ellis. And that was it. I can't remember why. I seen this about a week ago and for the life of me this movie has, has passed me. Okay. And also I, when your poster is um a woman look. A jigsaw it's, get it? Causaw. So. Oh yeah, yeah it's a woman with like uh, pieces of her face and replaced with skull. I mean like it's a, it's a it's a nice poster, I guess. It though? It's neat. What's that? It, I mean that's... that's that's into your teeth. Yeah, but I I, I don't I don't know. I no. don't I can't tell. Yes, don't don't see so, it. Yeah, it's a January release. Okay. So that's all you need to know. Well where the D's asked that all his art be destroyed. Help! Get rid of it. I can't save you. People thought she was part of an exhibit. We're trending on Instagram. Speaking of January releases, we move on to our final big review. Which is the newest Netflix original film, Velvet Buzzsaw, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo. Yeah. Now, Velvet Buzzsaw is the newest release from a director, Dan Gilroy, who we both really like, mm-hmm. specifically because we are both massive fans of, his pre- of one of his previous films, Nightcrawler, which also starred Jake Gyllenhaal, and oh my god, I can gush about that film for ages, but we'll get to that. But Velvet Buzzsaw is a kind of satire, kind of horror about there's this art critic played by Jay Gyllenhaal who is like his word is God, and they find they f- one character finds this that a guy in her a guy in her apartment complex has died, is commit suicide, but he had like a his entire place was covered in these paintings that anyone who looks at them they're almost transfixed. They're like, Oh my god, this is this is new, this is amazing. So they decide to sell them and they decide to put them up saying is like, oh we just found these and like we're gonna make lots of money and it's all good but it turns out there's a curse uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah like I don't know this this film it's 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 hard to decide if you, you like it or hate it I'm, ge- I'm genuinely like because there are there are a lot of it that I really like about it and a lot of it's I really just flat out didn't I will start off with just kind of what worked for me the the thing that the things that kind of worked for me was the satire elephants of the kind of like art world or like that whole kind of bubble because I personally as well I know people like that like working in film working in arts in uh, Ireland I know people like the certain characters in this film critique can be so emotional like like, (laughs) and uh, it's a very good point because Jake Gyllenhaal's character like uh, especially at the start is just hilarious yeah. like it's, it's honestly it's a very good performance I think like it's a perfectly fine performance it carries him and Rene Russo carry the film Rene Russo and Jake Gyllenhaal do very much carry the film which Rene Russo I think can honestly do no wrong she will always yeah. give a good performance even if the script like she was in she was in The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and she's one of the best parts of that film that, yeah. that is a grab like, no, I'm <laughs> genuinely, like, like... Now, it's a terrible film, but she is hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. But the two of them, they kind of hold this film together, kind of. Like, if J.J. Law like, art critic character, he goes around to all the car- other characters yeah. and giving his view, most of, most people are... Everyone's trying to suck up to him and, like, give him more praise, and he's like, eh. And the whole, like, kind of... Everyone everyone is an... Like, this is the one thing, like, everyone is an asshole. Everyone is a complete asshole, which... Is both true to it, and I love that kind of satire element. Yeah, and in there, there is a well place in the script where it is objectively funny. Oh, there like, there's there's a lot of like moments where I'm laughing out loud. Also, a lot of things that Tony Collette says, I laughed like out loud. Can we take a minute to appreciate the uh, Gyllenhaal's character name? Oh yeah, no, you can say because I won't. <laughs> Morph Vanderwalt, like. <sighs> I'm not gonna lie, I full on, I did, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually hear it right when they first said it. I was just like, what? And it's, then they kept saying it's like morph, 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 and I'm like it's that's probably not even the most ludicrous name here. Like, Rene d- Russo's playing Rodora Hayes. Yeah, no, I remember there was Rodora. There was John Dondon. <laughs> John Dondon. John Dondon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tony Collette's playing Gretchen. That's an art yeah. name, if I've heard one. Yeah. Um, what is Davy Diggs' character in it like? Damrish, Damrish yeah. Yeah. Davey, uh, t- David is just in this film I don't know what he does in the film but he's just there like where do I know him from Uh, Hamilton I I see I don't don't Uh, know that Hamilton buzz yet what else has he been actually because he's been in Hamilton he was in he's kind of just around like he's just been in a few bits and pieces he was was in in Ferdinand he was in Ferdinand he was in Blackish. he was in Blindspotting Uh Um, he was in he was in something recently Uh, Unbreakable oh he's in Unbreakable he was in Tour de Pharmacy if you've seen that, no, I haven't. No, you should. It's very funny. Yes. Um, and he's gonna be in the upcoming Snowpiercer TV series, which I didn't know was happening until now. There you go. I'm, I'm, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, to get on, like that's my only kind of positives. See, and um, do you, do you, does you take many positives like so? What you're saying about the art critique side mm-hmm. of it, um, this film, right? I've had this crazy late night thought. Okay. Imagine this film without any of the horror, okay? But you turn it into a Devil Wears Prada style comedy, where you have um, Morph played by Jake Gyllenhaal being mm. like the head art. Critic. Being like Meryl Streep. Yeah, yes, so. but he gets a new intern played by Timothy Chalamet, and he has to bring him through, rip, rope him yeah. through the reins, oh. and he's like putting him through the burner and just ripping into him. Mm. So it would be a Devil Wears Prada or a ripoff. Like, but would it be, be good to have of to rip off yeah. though. And it's because it's funny because you could even have the whole plot of the painting. They found the paintings, yeah. but you know, just without the horror. Yeah, with that... Yeah, I think we can. Oh, I think we'll get onto that. That's the basically the thing that drives this movie down is the horror because there are moments in the film that are genuinely creepy. The it's in the trailers, but the shot the hobo man. I think yeah. that's one of the creepiest like things I've seen in a while. Like it just it's kind of exposed face the voice it's the eyes it's the, the eyes the eyes look so weird yeah. but every all the other kind of horror aesthetics and horror elements it's just not good it's very run of the mill jump scare or you're looking at something mm. and it moves yeah. and it's, there's nothing it doesn't really bring anything fresh to the table it's it's funny because like the, the, like the first maybe I think 40 minutes of the film is just straight like kind of comedy Come. satire kind of thing and then the the horror is just kind of more shoehorned in it's not really done well I th- I felt that um, I th- I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right but Zah Aston as Josephine Zah Aston yeah I was very disappointed by her performance it's funny because I, I actually think she's quite a good actress I've seen like the other bits I've seen her in I've Fresh seen meat. her in Fresh Meat yeah. I've seen her in Doctor Who and a couple little bits of and she's quite a good actress but like how did you feel about her in this is, she's serviceable I think she's trying. She's like, cause like the, her character is all, like an awful person. Cause she's for one thing, you're stealing the art of someone who's just committed suicide and said, "Please do not show this to anyone. It burned us." Yeah. And she's like, I don't care. I'm gonna get go get rich. Which, if you want to have that kind of practice, that's fine. But then, you're also kind of trying to make her the protagonist, and mm. but I don't want. But I don't root for her. I bet her accent was all over the place. Well, she's supposed to be English. Like, Is she? Yeah. I thought she was going for American. No, no, I think she's supposed to be English, yeah. sure? I think so. Did I it mean, state this in the film? I don't think they say in the film. I just kind of, like, assumed she was English I assumed she was trying to do an American one, but... Because well, if, she's, she's, if she was trying to do an American accent, that just wasn't. Yeah. Oh, but, no, I'm, I'm curious about yeah. that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, because she's... It's probably, like, she's probably my least favourite character by virtue of the fact that the performance is quite bland. Like, there's nothing to it. Or if not even there at all. My most disappointing character, I would say that having John Malkovich in a film and not really utilising him. John Malkovich is asleep for this entire film. He is walking around, like, a like, there's, I think he has maybe, like, two or three major scenes in the film. Like, one is, he's at the art gallery, he sees the art, and he there's one in this place he said they say he's an alcoholic so he just starts he just someone there's just a glass of whiskey passing by him and he's just like he just drinks and it's just like he's like nearly touching the air and then if you've seen him in Bird Box you've seen him in this (laughs) I feel like that's the only reason he's in this film because Netflix were like here we need you to be in our film as part of your contract the one that annoyed me the most of Wasted Actor is um, Billy Magnuson as Bryson. You may know him as AirPod Guy yeah, in the film. Yeah. He is phenomenal in Game Night. Mm, he's yeah. terrific. And he's, and he's kind of like, because he's. What is he in this? He's I just kind know. of I didn't there. Un- I didn't understand his character. Because I remember there's like one point where he's talking to. Um, Your one like Natalia Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things, yeah, and he's like, oh, I, I, I just help out, but I've got some art down the road, you know, I'm up and coming, yeah, Yeah. and I'm like, it, he kind of just mumbles it all, it doesn't really say anything, and then he gets killed. Yeah. What? Spoilers. (laughs) It's on Netflix. You can watch it. (laughs) What was Natalie Dyer doing in this movie? Natalie, like, she's like the assist just. She had the worst horror scream I've seen in a long time. I don't know. I don't think that was that bad. Like, uh, I did not. No, think no, I think it, I think it was fine. It was like, I, I, actually, I actually think Sasha had a worse scream. So Which one? The, I think Ashton had a worse scream. Oh yeah, and, uh, especially towards the end. But uh-huh. I know she like I thought she was she did she did what we could she could with the role because it was literally just hi I'm shy girl. Um yeah, yeah. but in regards to the actual horror in it, mm. where do we feel it went wrong? I think purely and purely, I think the film went wrong by including horror elements at all. Because yeah. it's just by bringing in this kind of like whole thing of oh my god, there's a specter that's like inhabiting this work. It's like it doesn't it doesn't add anything to it. It's just like oh, there's a ghost that's kind of possessing the painting and it's trying to kill him. And the horror elements itself, like you can have it can. You can have a horror element and, like, not work not work if horror elements are actually portrayed, executed well. Yeah. But even then, like, they're not at all. Is, like, the supernatural elements of it fully explained? No. no. It, I think they kind of stay at one point that, like, he painted with his blood. But yeah. other than that, it's kind of, like, they don't explain it the supernatural elements at all. It's just like, oh, no. it's happening. Um. See, the thing is, it's starting to make me think in Nightcrawler. Was it down to Gilroy, or was it down to the performances? I think with see, I didn't know. I was actually re- as I was researching stuff for this film, I stumbled on the fact that he also directed um the Denzel Russian, uh, Washington Roman film uh, J. Roman J Israel, which I personally didn't enjoy. Like yeah. I thought it was it's it's another film where it's like it's only gonna be rising on the fact that Denzel is there, but with Nightcrawler. I think I can kind of now, looking back, I feel like it's a, a very 75% Jake Gyllenhaal and 25% Dan Gilroy. Yeah, no, definitely. And Gyllenhaal is phenomenal, but more so as Luke uh, Benson. Yeah, he's much, like, he's far, far better Benson. in Nightcrawler purely yeah. because he has some character to dig into. Yeah. In this one, he's just, like, he's playing kind of gay, but not really. No, like, no, he's more just um, flamboyant. Yeah. I feel like his, and actually, they don't explore his sexuality very well, well I felt. they kind of just like, oh, he's in a gay relationship at the start of the film. Oh, now he's getting with, now he's sleeping with Sasha which yeah. ugh, there's a line I uh, like that she says, which I laughed so hard, it was so bad. It was, um it's like the first time they're in like a hotel room together and like he's talking about like how much he adores her and how he wants her and she's just like, I make you hurt, huh? And I was just like... I mean, like, oh, like, come on. If you think that line's bad. That isn't even the worst line in the film. No, no, not at all. all. Um, also, Velvet Buzzsaw was not the correct name for the movie. No, the only reason... The it only the Velvet Buzzsaw is a throwaway line in the it's actual... Rene Russo's yeah, name. Yeah, it's, it's her name. But, like, it doesn't actually say anything about the film. No, it has nothing to do with it. What would be... But what else could you call it? Like... It's literally. I feel like it'd be like something like I don't know, blood and art. I don't give. I don't fucking know. Blood and art. Um, like, well, I, I'm just so. I'm let down. Right? I'm I'm quite let down as well, especially because of how much I'm a fan of Nightcrawler and how much like I do actually like Dan Gilroy's writing most of the time. Again, again, like Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler withstanding and yeah. Roman J. Israel. But this didn't have. But his only other Nightcrawler's his only credit. Nightcrawler's his only. Besides, th- uh, his only acclaimed credit. Sorry. Yeah, like Nightcrawler is his directorial debut. But with yeah. this, um, he's written. That's what else has he The only other he re- wrote the Born Legacy. He also wrote Kong yeah. Skull Island. <sighs> yeah. And Real Steel. Yeah. Was well, actually underrated. I don't care. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I think with this, I, I think he needs to kind of if he's gonna if he's gonna write and direct another film soon I'd like to see him first off make a film where you actually have a protagonist because this film did not this film had you had a central character with Morph that you could have expanded upon. on yeah but you're also trying to focus on so Austin's character and Rene Russo's character and David Diggs and Don Malkovich and it just kind of goes all the place and there's no one you root for no no, no. well maybe Morph Maybe, like, Maybe. morph towards the end when he's yeah. kind of because it wasn't really clear to me was he in on the whole thing or not was he in on it like because like it's kind of towards the end because he's kind of like investigating shit throughout the whole film do the what in on getting it in on getting the art not not in, the, in getting anything killed in on like the fact that the art was stolen like or whatever oh what do you mean sorry like, I, sorry I, cause me like there's well. like a, he's like saying oh I'm working on a book for like a lot of film yeah and he's like sl- like it's like he's investigating you're one as like yeah. uh, uh, Ashton and I'm actually I, I'm i just kind of I'm kind of like what was he doing I think he was just trying to I don't think he was in on it like I okay. felt like Morph was Morph was the protagonist and he was trying to get people to stop buying the yeah. art and I don't feel like he was doing it for his own intentions like there's a scene with him and um, Coco yeah right towards yeah, the yeah. end and he like he sort of has a heart to heart with her a little yeah he's like he's like I do. Is here? JJ Long does a good breakdown. Like he's yeah. very, he's very good. The L breakdowns, even though I, I feel bad because he, he, he doesn't give a bad performance. He gives a good performance. But I'm still looking at like this is there is exactly one tremendous scene in this film, which and is an undoubtedly tremendous okay. funeral scene. <laughs> phenomenal. Like no, I can 100 percent agree that that is a phenomenal scene. It's Jake Dylan It's Morpheum is critiquing. Uh, casket yeah like, like know. The, the the first line he critiques he, like, he says like why the hell would you want me trapped in that for all eternity yeah. and everyone's like why the fuck are you critiquing a funeral man like um, uh, it's I don't know where it went wrong I I, th- I think I think generally the tone we've taken from this is that we're disappointed we're disappointed because we know because it could have easily been a very, very like good, like kind of Wall Street style satire. Like yeah. a very, like a, and it didn't need the horror elements. And there's like, it is literally just small things that could have improved. I think. Yeah, it tried to juggle too many. It tried to juggle too many, and me personally though, if you're gonna gonna watch this, it's on Netflix, so you can watch whenever you want. There's like only like three reasons, which is Rene Russo, who is always a ton of fun to watch on screen. Like even if her character is a bit one note. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal is naked for like forty percent of this film. So if you're into that, he's just chilling he <laughs> no, no, over no, the laptop. It's just like he's just he's just chilling. In, in first, he is in his house, but he's just chilling with like the laptop just covering his like his lower half. So, and that's it. Someone posted um, a comment saying about that um being like the. Radioactivity is going to lower his sperm count significantly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's just some there's moments in the film where he's just like walking around butt naked. Yeah, but you and want to then it, there's a lot of ass. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal ass. There's a lot of moments where Jake Gyllenhaal is just having sex with, um, Ashton. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's fine. Like it's. That sounds like a velvet buzzsaw. In that the does sound like a velvet buzzsaw. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of moments where Jake. Um, I'm just going to keep going I don't think um, yeah no you know, no it's on. there's a lot of ones where Jake Gyllenhaal is having sex with Ashton and, and like if you like Jake Gyllenhaal which let's be honest most people do mm-hmm. like he's a very handsome man amazing actor he's going to be in Spider-Man he's going to be the best part of the new Spider-Man movie yeah I hope to God Um he then will. go see that and fa- finally it is kind of fun it is funny I, I won't deny it isn't funny in parts and it's not if not engaging it'll at least serve as decent background noise just watch Nightcrawler. Is <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. no. Honestly, God. Just watch Nightcrawler because Nightcrawler yeah. is so much better in every way and works as a much better satire film. If you've seen it already, re- re-watch it. Just it's... like, oh, like, I, actually, I might actually watch it when I go home tonight because it's... It's so good. It is so good. And I'm yeah. so disappointed that this is where Dan Gilroy has fallen. But, hey, Jay Chillenhall is still Jay Gyllenhaal. He's still making good stuff, so that's all I care about. Yes, hey, you know what? This critique... Draining. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going I think we're gonna go. For me, I'm gonna go two and a half stars. Actually. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I think now we come to the big moment. Mm-hmm. This is the big. I'm. This, uh, this is something i have been looking forward to actually for a while since we first started talking about this. Our box office predictions. Oh, this is. We still have no official. We still title. don't even have official title, but we're gonna go box office bonanza. Bonanza. Box office bonanza, <laughs> and then like this is about where you put in the the bonanza music. Box office bonanza. We are gonna give our predictions for the year for mm-hmm. box office. Um, we're also so every week we're gonna talk about different box office stats that have been happening every so often. Do Do you want to? Sh- you want to start with um, I can tell you what happened in the box office this weekend please let me know okay so what do you think topped it in the U.S. we're going by U.S. by the US, way U.S. yeah no of course yes. um, I don't, I'm, t- I'm actually trying to think of like releases this, this month well in America uh, the only the only major releases like this weekend, week was there weren't there weren't no. um, I am going to say it was the top box office was Aquaman Aquaman I I feel like actually no 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 out of new releases I'm gonna say it's How to Train Your Dragon. That's not out in America. Oh yeah no Mm -hmm. damn. It was a very low week in the box office. uh, Escape Room? Nope, that came out January first. Damn. Okay, will I run you through the top ten? Go ahead please. Okay, number ten, They Shall Not Grow Old. Yeah. Yep. And number nine, Escape Room. Number eight, A Dog's Way Home. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Number seven, Green Book. That's a movie yeah. We'll talk about that soon mm-hmm. um, Number 6 The best movie of last year Maybe um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Yes please mm-hmm. Number 5 Aquaman Yeah I knew it would be on there like, Because so. yeah. yeah. it somehow made a billion dollars Number 4 Is a big flop In The Kid Who Would Be King mm-hmm. it's, yeah. I'm so sad Like genuinely That's one of the more sad things for me Mainly because of how big the budget is and that's Joe Corners' second flop. Well, as of today in America, it has made thirteen million dollars. That's upsetting. That's oh, no. very upsetting. I think it's a fifty five million budget. I think it's a hundred million budget. Oh, it's a hundred. I think it's actually gonna Oh it's on. set to lose fifty it's like million dollars, isn't it? It's like I believe the term I saw was box office disaster. Which oh um yeah, it's set it's set to lose fifty million. <sighs> that's just that's really That's sad. That's terrible. What's number three? Number three is a film I actually don't even know what it is. What? Miss Bala by Columbia Pictures. Miss Bala. Yeah. Is that two words or one word? It is one word. I no 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 two, no, no, two words. It. sorry two I words. haven't heard of that myself. No. Number two is a movie which has made a lot of money. Moves made mm-hmm. a lot of money. Okay. It's called The Upside. Have you seen it? I have seen it, yeah. I've also seen the remake that's the original that it's remaking. Um, like, it's it's the original is actually very very good if you like French films, which I do myself. Um, but it's like it's fine. It's can like, you tell you study film? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't even study film. <laughs> uh, like yeah, you, you can tell I make films. Like so, um, uh, yeah. The upside, I think it's a very good date movie. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's fine. Like it's yeah. if you want to go for a few laughs and some like few emotional moments, yeah, why not? And number one in the mm-hmm. box office for the third week in a row is Glass with nine point five million. Oh, it was a dead week. I was, I'm still like, uh. it is now taken in. Going into the weekend, it was at one hundred and sixty-eight point five worldwide. So I think oh, wow. now it should be at, a, at about hundred I mean ninety, maybe. It's fun. It's funny because like it's a box office success. It, like, cause it, it only costs twenty million. It costs twenty million, which if you've seen the film, you will clearly see that. But it's, <sighs> I don't know. I think probably box up is going to start picking up now in the next two three weeks as we start getting into the more mainstream releases. Well, this month you have How to Train Your Dragon Lego Movie Elita. I think I don't think I don't think How to Train Your Dragon is going to make that much money. Personally, really. I, I think... Well, if we're going to start our predictions for next week, for topping... Oh, I have um, our ones to predict for next oh, yeah. week. Okay. So, How to Train Your Dragon isn't released until February 22nd. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It came out in Australia even before us. I mean, before, before I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining because, hey, if you want to live in Ireland like, and see movies early, go ahead. Okay. Do you want to write down your predictions? I'm going to write... So, can you give me the... Okay. Our, there a, so, it's How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train... This weekend... Yeah, for this we come coming yeah. Okay, it's not how to drain your Dragon. Okay. It's Cold Pursuit starring Liam Neeson. Okay. So, that is it's sort of like a Fargo-style yeah, story. Yeah. Okay. Um I'm going to go an opening of 17 million. Yep. I think cuz I isn't that like again isn't that the film that's basically Mr. Plow? Yeah, no, it's Mr. Plough. And uh so basically the summary of it is Neo Coxman's Quiet Life as a snowplower Yeah, Yes, Mr. Plough. Okay, okay. Yeah. I and mean, it stars I, I'd kind of be down to see that. Liam Neeson, Emmy Rosen, Tom Bateman, Julia Jones, and uh ever so brilliant Laura Dern. I, I actually I am kind of up for seeing that, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um That's been released is that being released alongside Lego Movie Two? in america yes yeah. we don't have it for another week oh, shit. and the uh, buzzer hasn't been revealed as of yet mm. so i'm going for 17 million i What's am it? gonna say about 15 million 15 yeah okay and also we're keeping points on this so we're going to do closest million. Oh yeah yes and we're gonna about i'd say after the next few months we'll add up who, who gets the most points and i feel like there'll be some kind of forfeit out of this i don't know what it is but I'm sure it'll be very embarrassing for one of us. Yeah. Um. We also have coming out in America a film called Everybody Knows, which is a drama-thriller um, starring Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. I've heard that's really crap. I've heard that's terrible, like... Yeah, well, it's on a 7 on IMBD and a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay. So it seems to be... They're a couple. They are, married. They're married, yeah. Which, yeah. I mean... It's heavier by them, so who wouldn't? Yeah, it's... So far, it's made 13.8 million worldwide. Really? By, but that's it's, incredible. I think that's purely in France. Oh, oh, it's, a, it's only in France. It came out in, out in May 2018. <laughs> Everywhere else except America, I think. I'm actually... Yeah. Am I right on that? Like, that's... What? Yeah. I think I really hate staggered release dates. I really do. Like, I'm kind of like, if you can release everything in the same week, why, like, why are you leaving stuff... I don't know. Four but million. Four million? Four million. Uh, I'm going to say two. Two? Yeah. I don't even think it's going to break... Because I know people love Penelope Cruz, and I know people love Javier Bardem, but, like, no one is marketing this film. Okay. So I'm going to say So you jot million. that down. Um, coming up as well this weekend is our big review of next week. Ooh. The Lego Movie 2. Ooh. Um, I don't know, because... Obviously, it's riding on the hype of not only the Lego movie and like a Batman movie, more probably the Lego movie though. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's weird because I feel like it's just gonna be an, a film people are gonna just take their kids to. Um, I am gonna personally say it's gonna open about twenty-five million. Okay, I'm going to. Say 38 million. Thirty eight. I think it's having a big opening, and I was gonna say forty five, but you threw me mm. your low one, so I'm saying thirty eight. Yeah, it, that's, that's the thing. It's like it's a, it's. I'm not denying. It. It's not. About, it's not gonna be probably. I think. I think it probably is gonna be a very good film. It's already getting fairly good reviews, and word of mouth does a lot. Word of mouth does do a lot. I agree with that, but I I be real. I've seen two posters for that film here in Dublin. Yeah, mm-hmm. which. I know that doesn't do a lot, but like even still, I have not. I'm not really. See, I'm not really feeling the hype around this that I did around the first one. Okay, well, I think we're both going to be extremely wrong. Did you write those numbers down? Uh, I did with the first two. Um, uh, for Lego movie. Yeah, Lego movie. So, yeah, i So that you now. said twenty five. Uh, I said thirty eight. Yeah, are we extremely wrong? Well, I'm just saying. No, this is not to say that us extinguished podcast hosts. Oh yeah, no, are of course, wrong. of course, yeah. But um the first film's opening weekend was 69 million. Oh god. So I think we may have- Oh. Yeah. Okay then. That's yep. um So we're just going to go to the prodigy. We'll talk about you, Lego, movie next week. Woohoo! We'll go to the prodigy. The prodigy. Prodigy. Sarah's young son Miles. Disturbing the behavior. Signals that an evil force has overtaken him. Feeling for his family's safety. Sarah must grapple with her maternal instinct to protect Miles. In favor of investigating in what is causing his dark turn. It has Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black. Um, Jackson Robert Scott, who I haven't heard of, and Peter Mooney, who sounds really familiar. Oh, uh, he was in Rookie Blue, Rookie Blue, and Camelot. There you go. So, okay, yep. Yeah, um, um, right then. Have I I just don't think that's gonna make that much money at all. Eight million. Like, I th- I I, I honestly God give it about four. I'm going eight. Purely. I I feel like for all these, I'm just going less than you, but like I'm being very cautiously optimistic, uh, or sorry pessimistic. Yep. Yeah. But I'm going to say 4 million for the broad G. Purely because, like, it just, it just looks like a very run-of-the-mill film. And while I'm sure Taylor Schilling is love for Ours New Black, I wouldn't really be arsed to go see a film with her purely because she's in it. <laughs> Due to technical difficulties, unfortunately we are going to have to leave it there for the evening. Thank you so much for listening, and do you tune in next week for more.